This is attorney Andy Markintel and attorney Mark J. Victor. We are the attorneys for freedom, and you're listening to the Peace Radicals podcast. How's it going, Mark? Dude, we are banging out podcast today. We got people lined up. It's a great guest. Just this place is just packed. We are currently at Freedom Fest, Las Vegas. We are surrounded by lovely, like-minded people who are all here for one unified purpose, which is to promote freedom and peace, and it makes me very happy, my friend. Yeah, me too. Really excited about it. So why don't you tell anybody clicking on this video what the heck is this whole live and let live movement all about okay so if you like the phrase live and let live you are gonna love the global peace movement that we call the live and let live global peace movement it really is about two rules and only two rules right rule number one don't be an aggressor Okay, this is what we call our legal principle. And we think all laws should be consistent with the legal principle. So you're thinking, what's an aggressor? Okay, well, let me break that down for you. An aggressor is someone who initiates force against another person or their property. And notice I said initiate, not self-defense. That's not a violation, that's not aggression. That's a response to another person's aggression. Aggression is also somebody who gets involved with fraud or somebody who coerces another person. Coercion also violates the aggression, the prohibition on aggression. Final category, don't do anything that creates a substantial risk of harm towards another person or their property. Said another way, don't do anything that puts another person in danger. That's aggression. That's what you can't do. That's what the law ought to always prohibit it. And it should prohibit it no matter who's acting. We don't care what color your skin is. We don't care where you were born, what language you speak, who you love. If you're religious or not religious, we don't care. No breaks, no exceptions. Nobody gets to violate the rule against aggression. Even if you form a little group or a big group, the groups don't get to aggress either. Even if you're a corporation, or the biggest group of all, the government. We should never permit any government to violate rule number one, the rule against aggression. Okay, that's the mandatory rule. The only one rule left is rule number two, what we call our moral principle. This one's just a suggestion, but we're bringing it strong. We wanna convince you to follow rule number two, the moral principle. Let me explain it with the short phrase, be a good human. You probably know what that means already, but we have some aspirational values that we're pushing. We're trying to persuade you to follow. What are the aspirational values? Open-mindedness as to all issues, tolerance towards other people. People live differently. However they live, as long as they're not violating rule number one, we should be tolerant. Also, voluntary kindness, not forced kindness, voluntary kindness towards others. And civility. Look, we can agree to disagree, it's okay. We don't have to call each other names. Let's be civilized. Also, let's work on building high levels of trust with other human beings. That's how you get a good relationship. We're committed to truth and facts and rational thought, wherever it leads, even if it's different than what I think is the truth right now. We're committed to what's true about the world. The reason we have a moral principle is because our goals here are to optimize human happiness and well-being and to minimize suffering. You're totally free to say, Mark, I don't care about rule number two. Okay, fine, you're not part of the live and let live movement, but we defend your right to not care about 
rule number two, this is somebody we might call a peaceful jerk. Somebody who doesn't <laughs> violate rule number one but doesn't subscribe to rule number two. You got every right to live the way you want to live. That's the price we got to pay, folks, if you want to get to freedom and peace and prosperity. We have to understand that we got to let other people live their lives in even in ways we find immoral or unhealthy or unwise so long as they're not aggressing. Then that's how we get to freedom and peace. If you like the sound of this, if this sounds interesting, join the global peace movement. It's already forming up all over the world. We got chapters, 10 countries in Africa, lots of chapters in Europe and in uh, New Zealand and Australia and Canada and throughout the United States. Go to liveandletlive.org. Here's Andy's abridged version. Once again, I kind of like this tradition we've started now. I know, I like now. the abridged version. Here's the abridged version. You should be a good, moral human being, but you don't have to be. All that we want mandated upon you is that you don't get to hit me, you don't get to aggress against me, you don't get to steal my property. And guess what? That applies to you, even if you as a group, even if you as a really big group, like a government or something like that. Is that this hard to understand? What should the role of government be here, people? The role of government isn't to put its own morality or the morality of the plurality into the law and impose us and force us to be moral. Because then you start getting into questions of whose morality? Whose morality are we talking about? And as we all know, the majority ain't always right on what's moral. Take a look at any history of any country and you'll see the majority is often misguided. We got to get past this. We got to get past the war of all against all. Go to liveandletlive.org to find out more. But for now, let's get our awesome guest in. We have Sergeant Dan McKnight. He's the founder of a nonprofit organization called the Bring Our Troops Home Foundation, and it's a veterans advocacy group. And I hope we hear all about it from him, Sergeant McKnight. Welcome. And a brother Marine. I think he's the first devil dog we've had on the show as a guest, right? Welcome. Why don't you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to be here. And uh, whenever two Marines get into a room, the general IQ level drops by about 40%. So (laughs) don't uh, worry, guys. I'll keep keep it high. Andy, if you have a drill rag, we'll we'll be sure to watch. Up, but Try no. to counteract this. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here. Like I said, my name is Dan McKnight. I'm a, a 13-year veteran. I served in the Marine Corps and in the Army and in the Idaho Army National Guard. And I went to Afghanistan in 2005, 6, and 7, where I was injured and I came home and the military no longer wanted me. And I came home and was uh, angry and I went underground. And uh, it wasn't until my one of my very dear friends went back on his eighth combat mission as a National Guard part-time soldier that I woke up and said, something has to happen. And I really started looking at the issue and realized that uh, we haven't declared war since uh, World War II against Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria. And I knew from my high school civics class that uh, that wasn't right and proper. And so we started putting pressure on Congress to reclaim their authority to declare war before we send our military off to go fight in these uh, wars of aggression, if you will, to to use the live and let live model. And uh, we're now, I, I couldn't tell you how many members are in our organization, but we now have uh, support groups in 40 states where we have legislation proposed, where we're attacking this at a state level because Congress is lost. Congress is gone. We're never going to be able to win a fight there. So we're going to the states and having them pass legislation in the states that will keep the National Guard from deploying to war unless Congress has put their name on the line. So our motto is Congress should put their name on the line before we put our boots on the ground. You know, let's start. Oh, go ahead, Mark. I was going to say it's really easy to say let's send the troops to get this done, 
until you're there. Until it's somebody until, else's kids. Right? Until you're, I mean, until you're living in a yep. hole. I mean, I, I don't know where you were. I, I was living in a trench on the border of uh, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait during the Gulf War, taking anthrax pills and nerve agent pills and changing into mop gear, all the time, biological chemical suits every day. And uh, eating MREs, and uh, you know, it, it, it's not so easy to be in the trenches. And I think if you've been there and you've been through that situation, not knowing am I going to come home or not, and sitting there saying, "What am I doing this for? I'm not, I'm not fighting to defend the United States." Then you really get a sense of we probably shouldn't commit our best and brightest off to war unless it really is in a vital national defense. Somebody's aggressing against us, right? Am I right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And that's why the founding fathers were so brilliant in putting the power to take us to war in the House of Congress, who are our representatives, the people that we see at the grocery store. You know, I never see the president at the grocery store, but I see my congressman once in a while. I have the ability to redress my grievances to my congressman. And uh, they have to come home and look at us and explain what the purpose of going to war is why are we committing your sons and daughters to go fight in a faraway land that has no interest and uh, without that that proper authority the wars become these endless entangled alliances that last for 20 or 25 years and then cost the lives of thousands of Americans and hundreds of thousands of the people in the country that we invaded. So are there any bright line rules that you would advocate for as part of this group in terms of what's a war of aggression? What's a war of anti-aggression? When are we justified, for example, in defending a third-party ally or something like that? What, what guides your principles? I'm, I'm probably not the right guy to ask about allies, and here's why. I think we should have none. Uh, because if, you ha- if you're an older brother and you have a kid brother who b- runs his mouth to the wrong person and gets beat up, what's your job as a big brother? To defend him no matter what, no matter how stupid he was. And that's what happens to us. We get into these alliances where we have to defend nations that have no interest whatsoever. And if we got in trouble, could you imagine Norway coming to our defense? Probably not. And so these alliances, they create, they actually take away our authority in Congress to declare war because we're bound by contract now to go and defend them. And uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, when NATO was formed in 1950s, Eisenhower said, if this NATO alliance is still here in 10 years and we still have American troops in this rebuilt Europe, we have failed. Well, now we have 100,000 American troops there on the border of Ukraine right now waiting to go to World War III. We clearly have failed. You know, there's a lot of interesting questions here, and I think we're in, certainly in general agreement, right? I mean, Article 1, Section 8 of our Constitution specifically delegates the power to Congress to declare war, period. But it also says the president is the commander-in-chief Correct. of the armed forces. And certainly, I think, I think you would agree, and you tell me if you don't, that there has to be some discretion here because things can happen quickly, yes. right? And so we want the president to be able to deploy our military to do certain missions without having to sit around and wait for Congress. Where do we draw? I mean, we have the War Powers War Act. Powers Act. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Maybe even aside from the War sure. Powers Act. So this takes us back to a little philosophy here. Let's talk Cicero's for a second where he talks about just war. Right? And just war, I think, falls right in line with live and let live about wars of aggression. You should only go to war when there's a clear and defined purpose. You should yep. have a reasonable chance of winning the war. You should have a clear strategy and an exit. And it should be for a moral good. So if we get attacked and the, and the United States has to respond, the president has the ability and authority to deploy the military under the War Powers Act. But he has to report to Congress. That's the part we forget, and we've never asked him to do it, ever. Yeah, right. And so, yes, the president needs to be able to, de- to defend the country. And the other thing is, changing our, the state of our nation from a state of peace to a state of war can happen two ways. 
a declaration of war and being attacked. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we get attacked, no declaration of war is needed. The military is at the full discretion of the president at that point. Okay, so let, let's jump, cut to the chase here. And I think I know what your thoughts are, but just to get the discussion going, Russia attacks Ukraine. What should happen here? For us or for Ukraine? For, for us. For, well, us. for us, yeah. Well, look, I, I'll tell you that supplying Ukraine with arms and planes and weapons and money and intelligence and all the other stuff that goes with it is an act of war. We are teetering on World War III. We are teetering on nuclear annihilation right now yeah. because our foreign policy is so off base. My philosophy is that we shouldn't be in NATO. We shouldn't be defending Ukraine. Um, and we have actually created a scenario that caused, not, and I'm not giving Putin, who is a disgusting, vile human being, I'm not giving him an out on this. We created a scenario that has put Russia in a place where they feel they have to defend themselves. We expanded NATO, even though Bill Clinton swore he wouldn't do it. But 33 weeks after he and did. George Bush made George assurances Bush made, as well. Yeah. Yep. And as soon as we made those assurances, we went and violated our own word. Who's going to trust Americans because we, we don't honor our own commitments? And to and, be clear here, none of this justifies Putin rolling none. tanks none. into the Ukraine. What you're saying is, look, we created a situation that made this more likely yep. and that actually brought this to fruition, right? We we started poking. Right. We start, well, I mean, if you were poking, you're actually aggressive. We weren't even really poking, but we started creating conditions that made the bear feel like, you know what, I got to get on the offensive sure. now. And then we look uh, and see old John Bolton comes out the day before yesterday and admits that he has personally staged coup d'etats around the world on behalf of the United States government. We are setting the stage for the destruction of an empire, which we shouldn't have anyway. We shouldn't have an empire. So the official policy, if I understand what you're saying, is that, look, when Russia invades the Ukraine, even though Russia is wrong because, or I should say, unless and until something over there creates a violation of the legal principle to us here in the United States, the United States should take absolutely no action here. Ukraine falls under the defense umbrella of British and French nuclear weapons. So not for the United, the U.S. It's should take no official None. position. Okay, so I'm in agreement with you there. But let's just say this. If I decide I want to help the Ukraine, I can help the Ukraine. Right? I can travel over to the Ukraine, put on, assuming I could still fit in my Marine Corps uh, camis, I can go over there and fight for the Ukraine, no problem, right? No, that's well, a, so yeah. So you, you not as America, but as as an Mark individual. Victor. Sure. I can also send Mark Victor's money over there to hire somebody, right? Absolutely. So why can't we have, and would you favor a private, for-profit? corporation like Blackwater for example something maybe even bigger right. and better that says look when we when we get enough money here we will go help the Ukrainians free Burma from the iron-fisted dictator running that place or any of these two-bit dictators around the world you I would think would have absolutely no problem with that if and this is the big if there is zero involvement or money coming from the government of the United right, States. Right, absolutely. The if government of the United yep. States says neutral, and the citizens who are free to defend anybody they, Amen. any third party they want, should put their money into a corporation that says, you know what, we're hired to go over here and knock off the. This is the way the world should work. Don't you think this makes a lot of sense? I, I, I'm never a fan of private mercenaries, but in this case, it's different. A mercenary, I believe, acts on behalf of a government like Blackwater did, or you know, KBR, or any of the other dictators. Cheney uh, private armies that were stood up in the it, 90s It's a good clarification right. point. But imagine it's just a, say say Bill Gates or somebody like Bill Gates mm -hmm. or Jeff Bezos, pick your billionaire, says, you know what, I'm going to form up a military here and for the purpose of uh, running around the world and, and defending 
the rights of third parties who are aggressed upon. And when people want to contribute money, they can. And when we get enough money, we're going to go in. I think we've seen that in the world before in the colonization of Western the Western world, uh, where you know, like the Hudson Bay Company and other large corporations put together their own private navies and explorers and armies. And it didn't turn out great. So I'm in favor of citizens being able to do what you want with your money, with your resources. I don't know that I would ever advocate for a private militia, but I would I would certainly not stand in the way of a private citizen doing what they want with their property. Yeah, and of course I would add to that, if this private militia or private corporation for profit or whatever is on the wrong side, well, then there are damages. They're just like any time you're on the wrong side, they're accountable for those damages. I think nothing should change on the analysis. And I think this is the way that people who say, for example, want to help the Ukraine should put their money where their mouth is, go over there and help, or send your money to somebody else who you can hire to go help. Yeah, you won't see Lindsey Graham or Liz Cheney or any of the other Nancy Pelosi sending their ch children over there, or their money. Yeah, but you know, I might send my money over there. Sure. I'm unhappy with how things are going over. There's lots of places. I would say, you know what, let's start with these little guys in these little African countries and some of these other places. I would love to put my money into a private operation that went there and defended the rights of third parties who were being who are suffering aggressions at the hands of some person violating Very interesting concept. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that would require a lot of thought. I, I, I'm open to it. Yeah, and, and you might imagine that this military might become the world's most powerful military at some <laughs> now, point. Now we're talking spooky, scary billionaires raising their own armies. Maybe, right? Maybe, right? maybe, maybe not, but wouldn't it be nice if the market of free people said we're going to put our money into something that actually defends the legal principle. True ANCAM principle. Like yeah, we, uh, we've, we've had this discussion on the podcast at length before, right, where we were talking about, okay, here's what's going to perturb people is thinking about logistically how this is going to work. So, for example, Jeff Bezos decides to make his own private military and says, uh, I'm making it under the guise of I'm going to go and defend people who need defending but then uses it effectively in a way that we might interpret as aggression, right? And so we now ask, okay, well, what's the damages? Practically speaking, I understand in principle there should be damages, but practically speaking, that's a that's a nightmare to enforce, right? Okay, well, we, we now we're getting international law involved, and the damages are felt by victims in a foreign country or, or numerous foreign countries. Now we have numerous people funding the project, people who have different mens reas, some people who acted in good faith thinking that Jeff Bezos was going to defend people, other people acting in bad faith knowing that he was going to aggress. How do we d split damages between them? How do insurance companies deal with this? It sounds like a nightmare to me, Mark. Yeah, and, and, and we got to sort through it. This is what we do in the justice system. But, you know, there should be a mechanism to first make an official determination. Like, for example, Russia says, we're not the aggressor here. Uh, we're acting in self-defense. Uh, there's, a, there's a factual dispute. Which, we, which is their claim, right? Yeah, is we, that they're reclaiming something that was taken from them. Yeah, we, we got to find facts. This is, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems in the world right now is that we don't agree on facts, right? Take, for example, the corona situation or the climate change situation. Depending on what channel you watch, you have a different uh, sort of slate of facts here. And if you're operating from a different slate of facts, then you get to a different place in terms of the analysis. And I think this is a hard problem that we're, we got to somehow converge on what's true about the world. And I think this is a, among the hardest problems to solve. Dan, do you feel like on that note, do you feel like we're being propagandized to about the situation in the Ukraine? Oh, right now? absolutely. Can, uh, you, can you explain your perspective? on Sure, it? absolutely. So the, the, there's no one in the world that will claim or defend Ukraine as a civilized society, right? They are the most corrupt government probably in the history of the world. 
And the second this invasion by Russia started, did a single person stop and say anything about having diplomatic resolution to the war? Nobody. They instantly went to a $54 billion aid package from America. We must give them all of our planes, all of our 113 personnel carriers. We must send them arms, bombs, everything. Diplomacy wasn't even talked about. So we are being sold a bill of goods, and of that $54 billion, $28.5 billion never left the country of the United States. It went straight to K Street defense contractors, the military-industrial complex, to make new weapons, to replenish all the stuff that we gave all the old 113s there from the Korean War and the Vietnam War era, we gave to Vietnam, I mean to uh, Ukraine to go fight the Russians. Do we really care if Russia or if Ukraine wins this war? If we did, we wouldn't be giving them 60-year-old technology. Yeah. Uh, assuming 10% of what you just said is true. I mean, you see, when, when a conflict like this arises, there is a, there's a push to support a certain side of the issue, Absolutely. right? And, and people who have no idea about any of the logistics of the things that you just said, who don't go any further than just reading what mainstream media tells them to think about it, mm -hmm. essentially, are changing profile pictures on social media or starting campaigns. Or Ukraine masks, yeah. Yeah, like yep. th things like that, just mindlessly without looking into any of that stuff. And it makes me sick. It makes me feel like... We are just swallowing these pills too quickly as right. a society. It's the wrong color pill, though. That's right. the problem. Yeah, That's and right. you know, also I think that we got to be careful to not conflate the government of the Ukraine absolutely. with the people of the Ukraine. Right. The people of Ukraine so have an important. absolute yeah. moral obligation to defend themselves and to fight back. You're absolutely the, right. They have as much control over their government as we do I'm over so our glad. Government. I'm so glad that you made that point, Mark, because to say that the narrative is skewed in one way and that we're being fed a wrong thing has no bearing whatsoever on people who are aggressed against, innocent people who are aggressed against unjustifiably. And that's, so what we, that's what we can certainly defend against with Without Absolutely. any problem, and that's what I would defend. It's not about the government it's of the, the Ukraine. People. Yeah, it's about the innocent people that woke up in the morning, fed their kids, and now bombs are dropping on their place. Like I, I have absolutely no problem with the, with sending my money. In fact, I would like to find a group where I could send my money to defend such people. Right. And then when Putin says to Biden, "Hey, the United States is getting involved," Biden should say, "Look." This is a free country over here. People in our country can spend their money however they like. There's people in Australia and people in France and people in Canada sending their money. This has nothing to do with I think it solves so many of these problems. It's almost, Mark, as if you're saying that the government is not the solution to all of our problems. Yeah, what you a might... radical concept. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, in fact, as Ronald Reagan said, most of the time the government is, is the, the problem. problem. Right, yeah. that is. And, and to be more fair about it, it's not really the government. It's when the government violates rule number one. Sure. Because there are things that the government does that does not violate rule number one. Like, for example, prosecuting people who are charged with murders, right? This does not... Now, the funding for this is a different question. But the mechanics of defending people are, are, or charging people who are accused of violating rule number one, administering that type of a system so long as it's done with due process... That doesn't bother me a bit, so long as we can fund it without violating sure. the rule. Gentlemen, and there are ways to fund it. Gentlemen, we're coming up at the end of our time. Dan, we wanted to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you'd like. Sure. If you got a website, anything like that, people can check out. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a couple out there. The first one is bringourtroopshome.us. That's our organization website. You can sign up to get our newsletter there. If you'd like to be involved at a state level, we have defendtheguard.us, which is our website that we use 
to organize uh, state legislatures to pass the bill that would keep the National Guard from deploying without a declaration of war. And then if you're so inclined, uh, the 10-7 Club, 10-7, October 7th, was the day the American boots first hit the ground in Afghanistan. We have a thing called the 10-7 Club. It's our supporters group where they can donate. We give away guns all the time on there because we are big Second Amendment lovers. But uh, if you join our organization, every single penny that you, that you donate is, goes to our effort. Uh, we don't have paid salaries. We don't have overhead. We run it out of my office building back in Idaho. And every penny goes towards the cause. All right. And awesome. af after all this, real quick question, Andy's going to be mad at me. What are your thoughts on the Marine Corps? Can we stand up and sing the Marine Corps hymn? Can we do this? <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> I, you know what? I got to say, I don't love how the Marine Corps has been oh. used. I don't love it, but I absolutely love the, the Marine, Marine Corps. The Marine Corps changed my life, and yeah. it gave me a structure and a sense of purpose that I have not found anywhere else, except maybe in the in the football locker room when I was playing football, but yeah. it's different in the Marines. Paris well, Island. Like, like any weapon. Like any weapon, it can be used for just right. purposes yep. and unjust Paris purposes. Paris Island or Hollywood? I'm a Hollywood baby. I'm a Paris <laughs> Island guy. We can have that argument All on, day the, long. on the next Peace Radicals podcast. <laughs> maybe we'll bucket. put that as bonus content when I'm not here. <laughs> We've been talking to Sergeant Dan McKnight, and uh, it's been a great conversation. Conversation. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Hey, dude, blast the shaka with us at the end oh, if yeah, you will. Yeah. This is attorney Andy Markintel and attorney Mark J. Victor. We're the Peace Radicals. Yeah. Peace. Peace.